Matt Stepp, as you know, we do not talk in non-recorded settings. So this is the first time in a month that we've spoken. Uh, what's new? Just, you know, another day. No, no biggie. Tep and Step, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep Greg Tepper. And I'm the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football subscriber. And we're now officially, this is our first podcast in, in I mean, yeah, more than a month. Like, it was like December yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're before state before the state uh, championships. Mm-hmm. We're it's and we're at the end of January. So yeah, it's been a little while. So I missed you. I missed you. I missed you deeply. Thank you, thank you. I missed yeah, you too, missed you darling. Yeah. Um. Uh, but this is uh. This is your. We're now into the off season, and this is really. I mean, we thrive in all aspects of this podcast, but this this feels like this this particular episode of coaching changes and realignment preview like this is i don't want to say we have the market cornered but like we have the market cornered i mean (laughs) you're talking about nerding out on the nerdiest of things it's uil realignment if if you're a high school football junkie like realignment is one of those real like is it still hipster to be a realignment guru, or or are there are there too many of them now? Cause... I still I still I still think it's hipster. Like I was talking to somebody about this today because like the, the the best comparison I would make for UIL realignment is like uh like NCAA selection Sunday, like for the NCAA tournament because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's a huge deal and it matters a ton. But the difference is that like that's easy to explain. Of like oh Kansas is going to play St Mary's like here. Part of our job is like making sure y'all understand like, oh, this is a big deal because of this. Yeah. Like you have to know high school football to know that being in district eight and being in district nine in four, a division one is a huge difference. Yeah. When, when was it? It was, um, was it last real life that Mart switched sides of the bracket? It's been a little while since Mart switched sides. It's been two or three realignments, but yeah, there was one when Mart went from region three to region two. Yeah. Huge deal. You know, those I mean, types of things matter. Yeah. And it's like a small thing of like, oh no, they're in district eight instead of district nine. But like for most people, that's just like, okay, like why it's do a I number care? to them? Yeah. And for us, like sirens are going off. We're like, oh my God. <laughs> they're going region two now. It's, so yeah, the districts are, I think the districts are easy, but it's the you get mm. into like opt ups and, and the real like mm. deep cut realignment stuff. And that's what that's where uh, that, that's where your boys come in. That's why you're here. This is your January uh, off season edition of Tep and Step. We do thank you for being Dave Campbell's Texas football subscriber. Coming up here in just a moment, Step and I are going to go through uh, the the biggest coaching changes so far and also explain to you why there's probably a lot more that's going that are going to come in like i don't know i'll pick a number of days at random 9 days uh from now uh and then we will get into our UIL realignment preview and what we are going to be watching for uh, at 9 a.m. 
on Thursday, February 1st, besides whether or not the UIL website will hold up. Uh, but I think f- the weather forecast is looking good, though. It's looking pretty. Uh, I think we're good on the weather. And and I want to make sure because it's it's a long running joke uh, about the UIL website on realignment day that it's always going to crash. Last two alignments. They've done a good job. Shout out to the UIL tech folks. There you go. Yeah, the UIL tech folks got it up because they're I mean, getting slammed. I'm pretty sure we're going to have them post on TexasFootball.com pretty quick as well. Just well, we're going to try like hell. So saying, uh, we're going to have them posted pretty quick too. So nine oh nine oh one a.m. on on uh, on on tech. Oh, by the way, I guess we should tell people we're going to be going live on a Texas Football Today special eight forty five a.m. live from Birdville. Uh, at the uh, kind of ground zero of the uh, of the realignment chaos. Yes, yeah, we'll be no no TFT that day. It'll be uh, an early edition of UIL realignment special, and we'll yeah. have uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff planned for that show. That and it's coverage. pickles, it's pickles revenge. Pickles revenge. She's still this is her third attempt because um, 2020 she couldn't figure out the soundboard, and that's what started COVID. Anyway, yes. it's time we will start as we always do, Matthew. With your Texas high school football fun fact of the week presented by who else but Country Meets. Oh, Country Meets, I never have forgotten you. Uh, I've we, never we forsaken mi- you. We, we've missed you, Country Meets. We absolutely yes. have. Uh, shout out to our friends at Country Meets. Uh, they make, uh, I don't have the copy points in front of me, but they make uh, the fundraising easy and fun. Uh, go- 12 delicious flavors. 12 delicious flavors. Go to countrymeats.com. Use the promo code STEP10 at checkout to get 10% off your first order. That's promo code STEPP10 at checkout at countrymeats.com. Countrymeats.com, a product we care so deeply about. We don't even need copy points in front of us. No. Country Meats, they yeah. care about UIL realignment. I bet they do. I bet that, mm-hmm. like, they're going to be locked in. They they strike me, the folks at Country Meats strike me as, like, they're not a 901 type people, but they're definitely, like, 915. Like oh oh yeah it's realignment morning. Yeah. Let, yeah. let me just let me just grab a spicy Cajun uh, spicy mm-hmm. barbecue meat stick and check out some districts. Matt, step your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Um, I would like to know of the twelve UIL Texas high school football state champions, which two were the only um. Uh, I'm sorry, 12 UI, uh, the 10 UIL 11 man Texas High School State Champions. I should say that. Which two did not play in a one score game in 2023? So, Soto. uh, Incorrect. They had a one score game? I believe they did. Was the Southlight game a one one score game? That's the only Uh, one. Um,. Yeah, South Lake Carroll, 45-38. For some reason, I thought they beat South Lake 45-35. Dang it. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll give you a clue. Stay in that same district. At least the old district. Yeah, I, I guess Duncanville. Duncanville did not have, play in a one-score game? Because they, they had a loss, but it was by two scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Huh thinking here did albany have any one score games albany did have a one score game okay um albany let's see i can find that albany uh was it uh oh yeah they beat uh their their opener they played lubbock trinity christian 22 21 
Ah, okay. All right. Uh, and then also uh, remember Munster. They got a huge scare from Munster. Nineteen forty. Right, they did. Munster played them close too. I forgot about the Munster game. Yeah. Uh I'll take one more swing at this thing. Uh and go. Did a, no Geyer I think played Alito tough. Geyer and Alito was close. Um Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with oh Timpson. Timpson did play one score game. Timpson, remember they beat Dangerfield in the last play, basically. Uh, right, the right, answer well. is the Gunner Tigers. The Gunner Tigers. Oh yeah, gosh, Gunner did not yeah. play a one score game. Uh, the reason I bring this up, Matthew, and I, I know I put this in our Slack. Do you remember this? Do you know the stat I'm going to bring up? So uh, no. So Port Nature's Groves uh, went five and zero in one score games in 2023. That is a year after they went five and zero in one score games in 2022, which means that Jeff Joseph is 10 and O in one score games at Port Nature's Gross. So basically, if you're going to beat PNG, you better, you better drum them. If you let them hang around, they're going to beat you. That's that, that to me, that's the true fun fact of the week. Um, but pretend when I, when I mentioned this on TFT in a couple of weeks, like pretend you didn't hear this, uh, cause sure. I'm going to make a whole segment yeah. out of this, but I was like just blown away by that. That's an incredible stat, it really is. That's just shows you what Jeff Joseph and that crew are doing over there in two years. What a yeah. job! Uh, so there it is, your tech section wall fun fact of the week. All right, Matthew, uh, it is coaching change season, uh, kind of. Um, it's kind of coaching change season right now on texasfootball.com, and I think you might have just added one to bring our total up to uh 88 UIL yeah. 11 man Texas high school ball coaching changes. You say it's not really coaching change season yet, 88 coaching changes in January is a lot. Like, do you know what it feels like? It feels like retirement season for sure. It's retirement yeah. season, Jan- yeah. January is generally retirement season because. Guys that are thinking about it, put in their paperwork, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's going to happen is we're going to get another run of coaching changes here next week. Here, when after realignment, yes. when guys see their districts and like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and maybe not find something else to do. So, so if you go to texasfootball.com, we've got all the coaching changes up, uh, and and we're not going to run through all. 88 of them, but I do want to make sure we, we highlight. I wanted to break down the Hubbard hire. I was ready to all break right. it down. Number all right, we're gonna start Aldean MacArthur, Wayne Crawford <laughs> out after six seasons. Okay. Uh, but actually the second one on the list is one I do want to talk about because I this is one there are a couple that we're gonna talk about that I don't think we will classify as shocking retirements. Is Brad Butler retiring at Shadow Creek as shocking as it feels like to me? It is because he's not that you don't look at Brad Butler and go, oh, that's a guy, yeah. that's a guy retiring. That's this is a guy who can coach for 20 more years if you wanted. I mean, um, Brad Butler's a different kind of guy. He's always struck me as kind of a guy who's just kind of laid back and easy going and doesn't really like the hustle and bustle of things. You know, he's a Brownwood guy. He, you know, just kind of slow paced, just, just the, one of the nicest guys you'll ever run into. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't surprise, it, it does surprise me. But then when you think about his personality, I'm like, well, maybe he does just want to kind of hang out and go to Costa Rica, all this, which is what he told me. He's like, I'm just going to hang out with my wife and go to Costa Rica, which, hey, awesome. Don't blame you. By all means, the official status of Tep and Step is if you can do that, do it. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think his, he, he mentioned his wife had just retired, so mm. he must right be on the front. Brad Butler's not that old. He must be right the first year he's eligible decided to retire. I could see Brad Butler in two or three years jumping back in, though. I could see that, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that 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 may, you know, you see that sometimes where guys retire and then a year or two that out they get back in. So I could see it, but I was very surprised uh, when this happened. And, and it opens up, uh, I would say, a very attractive job uh, oh, right yeah. before right before realignment. Uh, where remember, uh, Manville is moving up too. It would. I don't know. I'm sure Alvin ISD asked the UIL to put all the Alvin ISD teams in one district. So they'll be in the same district. That's UIL's yeah. guidelines. They'll be in yeah. the same district. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, um, you know, Alvin ISD's MO on these kind of things has been to promote from within. And they, Shadow mm-hmm. Creek's had success. Wouldn't surprise me if they did promote from within, but it's going to be an attractive job. If they do post it externally, it will get some big names mm-hmm. looking into it. Um, a familiar name is back in the head coaching, uh, um, world uh and that is that at chisholm trail uh the new head coach of the chis of the chisholm trail rangers is uh rickland holmes uh former tyler high coach uh who yes. was there for a long time the first ever guest at t on tft and yes, rickland holmes. Uh, and and now he spent the past year as, as an assistant at huddo uh but uh one year as an assistant at huddo and now he's back in a head coaching position there at chisholm trail taking over for brian bodie who was out after after eight uh eight tough years yeah this is a good hire for chisholm trail a new ad uh eagle mountain Saginaw ad john Abenshand had two jobs to fill in his district and i think went after an experienced hand there chisholm trails dropping down from 6a to 5a division one that will help them i think rickland holmes will bring some energy and some excitement into a program that's sorely, sorely lacking it. Um, from from DFW to way out west, I guess way out west. Although a guy who's going to the movers are going to be tough for uh, very expensive for Mark Torres. Mark Torres mm-hmm. is uh, is leaving El Paso Pebble Hills, the program that he built from the ground up for the last eight years, and did a fantastic job. Really, Turn, did. really, really, did. really quickly turning them into the one one of the powers in in uh, in the Sun City. He's leaving El Paso Pebble Hills to become the net head coach at Hayes Consolidated in Buda. That is uh, that's that's quite a move. Yeah, you know now so now the the three Torres brothers are all out of El Paso. You got mm-hmm. Ruben at Marlin. Matt at Houston Sharpstown, and now Mark is there at um, Buda Hayes Consolidated. Um, and I think, you know, it's just another trend. You know, some of these El Paso guys looking to spread their wings, get at, get out of the Sun City and really show that, hey, we can coach football mm-hmm. here too. We can we can do some good things. Hayes is a, is a tougher job just because of the, the growth there. They've been split up. Their talent's been kind of siphoned off. But wasn't that long ago Les Goat had him in a state semifinal. So mm-hmm. it's not like the talent's not there for the Hawks. And so interested to see Coach Torres and, and the staff, that, especially the staff that he builds. Are guys going to come with him from El Paso, or is he going to have to hire a, a whole new staff there at Hayes? Um, Katie Morton Ranch, uh, 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 Ron Counter uh, is is leaving his post after seven seasons, and they have uh, gone uh, kind of across Houston to go pluck Nick Cavallo out of Richmond George Ranch. Uh, they made a nice run in the playoffs. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, this is a this, this is a guy who uh, they're you know Cavallo took over for who was the heck? Yeah, Ricky Tullis to kind of continue that going and and uh, you know did a, did a, did a decent job there. I'm I'm interested to see uh, where George Ranch goes after this. 
Yeah, so George Ranch, Cavallo's uh, uh, a successful guy. He's played co- collegiately at Purdue. Um, kept George Ranch relevant in the district race, despite mm-hmm. George Ranch getting their their talent siphoned off there by Fulcher first and then Randall mm-hmm. uh, second. Yet even, even with that, George Ranch has still managed to be a pretty consistent playoff team. Uh, Morton Ranch is one of those teams in Katy that kind of pops up every four or five years uh, and gets good and gets in the top part of the standings. But Katy... You know the neighborhood's a lot tougher now. With 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 mm-hmm. obviously got Katie, you got Tompkins, um, and you got Jordan now, who's improved a lot. And you know, so that, and then you got you know Morton Ranch is kind of fighting with you know some of those, you know some of those other schools just to try to sneak into the playoffs. So uh, you know we'll see Morton Ranch. It kind of cycles up and down. So it'll be interested to see if Cavallo can establish some consistency there with the Mavericks. Uh, I recognize that this is not the biggest brand name uh, uh, job here, but it is important to remember that uh, that Hurst LD Bell defensive coordinator Eric Vance is the new head coach at Keller Central. The reason I bring this up is because he's taking over for uh, for one of the all time great uh, great coaches in Texas high school football history, Mike Sports. Yeah, your favorite name in Texas high school tough, football. Tough tough thing. It's a tough thing. Mike Sports. Uh, uh, Mike Sports. So around there at Keller Central, it was Vance has got a mm-hmm. total rebuild there. Now Vance yeah. uh, has a good resume. He played mm-hmm. in the NFL, worked in some NFL personnel departments, came back to high school football, worked at South Lake Carroll. He's been the defensive coordinator at his alma mater for the past couple of years. Now he gets a shot uh, to be a head coach. So we'll see if he can. You know, it's only one way to only one way to go go at Keller Central, and that's up because they were zero and ten last year. They're on a sixteen game losing streak, I believe. Uh, let's talk about McKinney. Uh, and we'll talk both both sides of this. Uh, we'll start with the gentleman leaving, which is Marcus Shavers. Uh, Marcus Shavers, uh, you know, uh, resigned after six seasons there. Uh, a couple really good ones, uh, including a run of the regional semifinals uh, back in 2022. Um, and, uh, you know, 37, the, you 37 31. The season. Yeah, this year. We we mentioned this, uh, you know, it, it was something that that went out there. I know that there was a lot of uh, internal turmoil within uh, within the, the the coach situation. This to me, and, and certainly I don't have any inside information. I haven't talked with Coach Shavers about this, but uh, I I wonder if this is a situation where it's better for all parties involved to just have a clean break and and, and go our separate ways. I think so. I think. You know, if you put some truth serum into Coach Savers and you put some truth serum into hmm. McKinney ISD administration, I think they both would agree that even though Shavers was was one hundred percent cleared and mm-hmm. was reinstated, I just don't think things were the same. Mm-hmm. You know, the the water had been poisoned, so to speak. There, mm-hmm. so I think it was probably a better situation for everyone just to go their separate ways. Coach Shavers starts fresh, McKinney ISD starts fresh, and McKinney High gets a new head coach and they have a new head coach and it is someone who's very familiar with the program. Yeah. Nate Leonard, uh, leaving, uh, new Braunfels Canyon, uh, to take over there at McKinney. And he is, uh, Nate Leonard, of course, uh, played in the, he, he had a swim through the NFL, correct? They're right. I don't believe so. No, he coached. He, he's a uh, played at UTSA. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. That's, or, yeah. Or, he was, he was a, all conference he was a, UTSA. Yeah. And he was like a huge part of like the bill, the foundation there mm-hmm. at UTSA, uh, but then he he returns home to McKinney to to get a job as alma mater. Yeah, where where he's from, and 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 you know I think I think he felt like New Braunfels Canyon was a good job, uh, and it would take a lot for him to leave. And obviously, mm. when your alma mater comes calling, it's it's tough to say no when they want you to come home. So 
Uh, it'll be interesting. You know, Leonard hasn't been in the Metroplex in quite some time. He's never coached in DFW. You know, he's been mm-hmm. in San Antonio most of the time. I think he had to swim through Clear Springs and then coached at Duke uh, for a year at the college ranks. So it would be interesting to see. He's got to come in and hit the ground running at a McKinney team that graduates, probably one of their most decorated senior classes yes. ever. Uh, staying in Komal ISD, actually, New Braunfels is looking for a new job as well. Uh, Glenn Mangold uh, is is this is this is a perfect example of like it's hard to explain to somebody who doesn't follow Texas high school football that closely what's going on with Glenn Mangold. Glenn Mangold is retiring to take another job. That is a a true statement. Uh, but he's gonna he's retiring from uh, from public school. Uh, he's he's he, I presume he's got his full pension, but he is gonna keep working. He's the new head coach of the Buttons of San Antonio Central Catholic. Yeah, and so now you have New Braunfels, uh, who's dropping down to five A because the new school is opening. Which Long Creek uh, uh, just hired Adam Harvey as their first ever head coach. They'll start varsity football in twenty twenty six. Harvey was the Clemens defensive coordinator, but New Braunfels High uh, is looking for a head coach to replace Coach Mangold. Um, and so there's been there's been some movement in San Antonio already this year with New Braunfels Canyon opening up. Mm. We're talking about New Braunfels now, New Braunfels Long Creek hired. Uh, then we'll talk about probably a couple of other San Antonio jobs here. It's been a busy, busy early offseason in San Antonio. Um, there, There's a, a, a huge job. The I mean, let's be honest, the job in the Concho Valley. Uh, San Angelo Central uh, is open. Kevin Crane uh, is is uh, is out after three seasons, taking a different role than San Angelo ISD. Um, after three seasons, um, I I recognize that the salad days of San Angelo Central winning the district championship, and winning the little Southwest Conference, and I mean, heck, we were talking about you know them hosting Allen in a in a, a must see playoff game. They were a game. legitimate state contender. Yeah, not that long ago. Yeah, you know, they uh, hit some hard times. Yeah, but let's let's be clear about something. This is still a big, big and highly sought after job. Yes, but I think the district is learning a hard lesson that maybe their struggles on the field have scared some people off. Mm. San Angelo San Angelo ISD made a big play for a big time, big name head coach in the Houston area. They went after him. They 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 found their big fish, and I thought they hooked him. We talked, and I thought he was going to take the job. He texted me Saturday and said he was – last Saturday, I was actually sitting – I got the text while sitting in Joey McGuire's office at Texas Tech. Uh, was out there well, there's Texas a brag. Uh, yeah, me and Mike Roche were sitting there, and I got the text that he's, he decided not to take the job. And San Angelo was supposed to go to the board on Monday. With, oh, wow. With And he backed out on Saturday. So they're kind of back to square one this week. I think they did start doing some interviews, so I, I don't know kind of what they're going to do at this point it's 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 they're kind of in a tough spot because they're wanting to get somebody in before realignment and it's not going to happen so uh it's a little bit humbling right now for san angelo you know just kind of getting getting kind of left at the altar there that's going to be one uh certainly to keep an eye on as we move forward uh okay down to we've kind of talked to a variety of different places uh we have not gone uh way down south let's talk about uh a John Campbell, the head coach at Edinburgh Vela uh, the past couple of years, he has announced his retirement after 20 years as a head coach. Uh, and uh, I'll, He's got an I'll, I'll say this, one of the most underrated coaches of the last couple decades. Yeah, what he did at San Antonio Brandeis to build that program mm-hmm. from scratch, very underrated. And then he went to Vela and kept Vela 
as one of the top two mm-hmm. or three teams in the Valley year in and year out. I mean, he's got an impressive resume, did a heck of a job. However, I think this retirement might signal that Vela is in maybe for some leaner years. So mm-hmm. their, their returning quarterback has already transferred out. Uh, so there's some talk that Vela may may hit hit the skids a little bit next year. So just kind of keep an eye on that a little bit. Um, let's go to Lubbock. Lubbock Coronado is looking for a head coach. DJ Mann uh, resigns after three years at his alma mater. I, I mentioned this on TFT. I'll say this here too. Uh, I am personally just kind of, it makes me sad that this didn't work out because I know Coach Mann, it meant a lot to him to go back home and to coach his, his we, I mean, we've had him on the show and, 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 and we've talked with him. We've made no bones about this is a guy that we like and we, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a friend of ours. Um, I am, I'm sad it didn't work out, but you know, yeah, in, it is what in, it is. It's yeah. it's tough. You know, he, he won a district championship the very first year, but mm-hmm. the, and then the 2022, they go three and seven and they lose. They lost one game on a Hail Mary. They lost another game on like a 52 yard field goal in the last seconds. They, another game, they threw an interception in the end zone. They were going in to win. They just couldn't win close games in 2022. Mm-hmm. And then this year, they had a really, really young team. They went two and eight and kind of got hammered in a lot of their games. So, it just kind of got worse the last three years. So I think DJ, you know, just felt like it was time just to, you know, hand the reins off to somebody new and kind of maybe reinvigorate some energy there in the Coronado program. Cause it's, well, my, it's been consistently yeah. one of the best programs in Lubbock. Uh, I, my guess uh, again, I haven't, I haven't actually I haven't talked with DJ. I should probably text him. Uh, my guess is this is not the last we've heard of DJ man. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a Texas high school football sicko. He will be back. He'll be back in the mix here pretty soon. I would imagine um, elsewhere across the state. Um, let's go to Corsicana. I remember when Eric Sardinia got hired there at Corsicana and we probably, we could probably run back the tape on this podcast talking about how that's a nice little hire there for Corsicana, getting the coach from Dangerfield, uh, you know, taking over there. Uh, it, it did not work out uh, after two seasons, three and 17 he's, he's out. Uh, but they have gone and they've hired an alum in Waxahachie defense coordinator, Eugene Rogers uh, to take over with the Tigers that came down earlier this week. Yeah, it was early early this week. Coach Rogers uh, has been a state championship defensive coordinator at North Crowley when they won state back in the day. Uh, he's been a head coach at North Crowley. He's been a head coach at Maynard. Uh, really trusted assistant there at Waxahachie with Coach Tolleson, who he coached at Corsicana uh, in his playing days. So Coach Rogers has been been through Corsicana. The guy bleeds blue and yellow. He he is a Corsicana Tiger through and through. And when I talked to him Sunday when I learned he was getting the job. Uh, he was as fired up as it gets. So you, you know, one thing, Coach Rogers comes from a military family. You know the Tigers are going to be disciplined. They're they're going to be they're going to be on their p's and q's this off season. And I expect uh, realignment. If we re, you know they're, they're kind of a team in realignment that could go a number of different directions. So I think mm-hmm. they're kind of hoping for a positive positive spin on realignment and to kind of get their program uh, reinvigorated after a couple of really tough years. Okay, let's talk about Greenville and and. This is probably my guess is that this is a coaching change that didn't make Tepin step last in, in August when it happened. Um, it happened like a week before the season started. So, so to catch everybody up in Greenville, Darren Duke, who'd been the head coach there for for ten years or so, been there for for uh, maybe like eight for years. A while. It, yeah, it, it, he, he's an alum. He's a Greenville guy. Uh, but so six days before their practice, uh, he announces his retirement. 
um, and announces that he's 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 stepping down. They uh, Randy Jackson, a name you you may know from the past, he came, he came out of retirement to take over in essentially like it's hard to say an interim role, but it's like a season long interim role. Yeah, uh, he was a caretaker for a year just to kind of keep the basically Randy Jackson was there to keep keep the ship afloat, you know, keep mm-hmm. the, the whole the whole athletic department from just going under. Yeah. And, uh, and he did it. He did it. All the counts. Coach Jackson, considering the circumstances, did a good job just kind of stabilizing things, which is mm-hmm. kind of what he was there to do. Uh, three uh, went, went three and seven uh, there. And and I I don't know if he's going back into retirement, but like, I mean. Who knows? We'll see. As far uh, as I know, he is, but you never know. Randy could pop up at a coaching he, clinic or pop up on the sideline on you. you he, he absolutely can. Uh, in any way, any case, Greenville has made a hire, and it's Flowermount Markets offensive coordinator David Collins is going to be their their next head coach. Uh, he does have head coaching experience, Longview Pine Tree and Richardson Pierce, uh, but it will somehow be their third coach, third head coach in nine months. Yeah. Like eight months? Quite, quite, a, quite a wild ride for Greenville. Yeah. David Collins is probably best known for being the head coach at Richardson Pierce. And do you remember in 2017 or 2018 when they upset yes. Cedar Hill in Cedar the first Hill. round of the playoffs at Cedar Hill? They kicked probably field his, goal? Like, his signature. Yeah, it was a close yeah. game. That was probably his signature moment as a head coach right there. So, But he, he took Pierce to the area playoffs two or three times. He did a, he did a nice run there at Pierce. Um. Let's talk about one of the biggest openings in the state, and that is at Lovejoy. Uh, Chris Ross uh, has uh, went forty-five and nine in four seasons at Lovejoy. He is leaving to become the office coordinator uh, for our friend Colby Carthel down there at Stephen F. Austin, moving it back into the college ranks. He does have college experience uh, himself, but he's going to be the office coordinator there. That opens up a very enticing job in Lovejoy, and uh, I know. Your sources are telling you that uh, it is an attractive job to a number of people interested in this. Yes. So are we posting this Friday or are we posting this on Monday? We're posting this on Friday. Okay. Then I I won't say who's getting it. Saturday, they are hiring. Saturday. So Mm -hmm. it's it's Thursday, January 25th at 740. Mm -hmm. Um, They are going to hire Saturday morning on January 27th, probably around 9, 930. I'll be at the DFW Mm -hmm. Coaches Clinic. I'll have my laptop with me probably to drop the step bomb but uh yes it is a big name uh i found this out a couple uh last week actually uh and so yeah it's a big name and i think it's just the process is waiting to uh go through yeah so we'll uh yes uh saturday morning I'll, I'll by the channel. A, yeah yeah it is a big name it's a big name and you should be by the channel 7 30 or early on saturday morning get on up with dark and bold from community coffee at your local grocery or communitycoffee.com. Let's talk about, uh, speaking of retirements, uh, Marshall uh, came open uh, briefly uh, as the uh, as Jack Alvarez. About Al- 20 minutes it was open. Yeah, about 20 minutes. Jack Alvarez announced his retirement uh, there after 26 seasons, a 200-game winner there. Uh, Jack Alvarez, of course, led Ennis to that uh, remarkable state championship win uh, in 2014. Uh, bounced around Marshall Cuero. I mean, he really has. You want to talk about a guy who, um, he won at a lot of different places, and he won at a lot of 
big name programs like the what the, he's got to be the only guy in the state the only guy in 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 texas high football history to coach at ennis copris cove cuero and marshall those are big heavy hitters yeah he's coaches from good places you know now the thing about alvarez's tenure at marshall is there was some turmoil you know there was talk in september that alvarez is ready to turn the keys in and retire i mean there was some mm. turmoil in in, in, in the program he finished the year out, and actually, Marshall gave Midlothian Heritage all they wanted in that second round playoff game this year. They really I was gonna say they won a playoff game, and then yeah, they were they were yeah. in it until uh, the end. Basically. There was there was some stuff going on this year that you know almost made Coach Alvarez retire in the middle of the season. So, kind of could see this coming. Uh, Jason Hammett takes over. He was Alvarez's right hand man there at Marshall. You know, the question is going to be for Marshall. Is you know Hammett. It makes sense because they liked the direction that the program was headed, and they they Hammett was Marshall's was Alvarez's guy, but Hammett's two and eighteen as a head coach at Conference mm-hmm. Coast. So if it doesn't work out, there's going to be a lot of people second guessing that hire and why didn't we open this job up and 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 put it out to to, the, to a larger audience when we just promoted a guy the same day. So it's a it's a risk reward type thing for Marshall ISD administration. So we'll see how it works out. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of big name programs, uh, Nederland is open. Monty Barrow is, uh, is has retired after going uh, forty three and thirty four in seven seasons there, uh, including back twenty eighteen went ten and two. Um, he, I mean, he's been at, he's been at Nederland uh, for century forever under Larry Larry Newman. He had been there for mm-hmm. for a long time. So yeah, I think Nederland. This is a case of they, they're looking over at PNG and going, mm-hmm. "Why can't we do that? We're, we've got the same type of kids. We're the same mm-hmm. type of community. Why can't we do that?" And so I think PNG's success really is what doomed Monty Barrow there at Nederland. I so. I I agree. I think the last two years have have been probably tough for Nederland fans to to to, to watch. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if they go young. Uh, I wonder if they look across at what maybe Jeff Joseph is doing at PNG. Yeah, Yeah, I wonder if they go they go young. Just keep an eye on. I think they're going to kind of you know because because Barrow and Newman they're basically the same regime Mm -hmm. going there at Nederland for twenty plus years. So I think it might be time for a, a full refresh there. Um. Bouncing down to four A, uh, Marble Falls. Uh, it was was open uh, for a little bit. Uh, Brian Herman stepped down after five seasons. Uh, remember, he led them to uh, to the third round of the playoffs back just a couple of years ago. Um, school, they lost yeah. Them. You know, you know who beat who beat him in the playoffs that year? No, Sherryland Pioneer, Eddie Lee Marburger. Oh, that's right. That was like a and that was like a fifty six forty nine game or something. Every every game Eddie Lee yeah, Harbor was fifty six forty nine. That was just that was just the default score. Letty L M Cook. Anyway, yeah. uh he has uh, stepped down after five seasons at Marble Falls and they uh were pretty quick to hire Vandergrift assistant Carrie Timmerman uh to uh to a head coaching job or their head coaching job. This is not his head first head coaching job though. No, he's been at Lake Worth. Um he's been a valuable assistant there for Vandergrift and uh I don't think Marble Falls is going to be running the slot T anymore. I think we're about to see yeah. Marble Falls get into some uh, more wide open offense. Um, Navasota's open. Uh, Casey Dacus uh, resigned after six seasons. He's a he is a, a Navasota alum, thirty six thirty one. Never could quite get back up to those kind of state championships uh, caliber seasons that they've kind of come to expect in the earlier part of the last decade there in Navasota. Still a very good job down there uh, with the Rattlers has come open. Yeah, um, 
I know there's a lot of people in the community that want to bring a, an old face back if, if uh, you catch me. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I know Navasota started interviews this week for the job. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, talking to people down there, they still there's still kids there, there's still talent there. So I think that everybody still thinks Navasota is a very good job. Uh, finally, uh, not finally, this isn't the last one we're doing, uh, but it's good to see that Jason Garrett is back coaching football in Dallas. Um, Jason Garrett is uh, the new head coach at Dallas Roosevelt, taking over for Aaron Wall, uh, Aaron Wallace. Uh, another guy at his, at his alma mater, unfortunately, didn't work out. It's a tough job there at Dallas Roosevelt, but I'm glad that uh, Jason Garrett uh, is is taking on the uh, uh, the the challenge of, of the Mustangs. It's the same yes. Jason Garrett, right? Mm, same name. Oh. Uh, this is Duncanville linebacker coach Jason Garrett, <laughs> Form, former DeSoto. Jason Garrett's coach at Duncanville and DeSoto. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was part of Todd Peterman's uh, state championship staff there at DeSoto in 2016. Um, so, yeah, Jason Garrett, three-time state champion as assistant coach, gets his shot to be a head coach. And mm-hmm. much like Keller Central, there's nowhere to go but up at Dallas. Mm-hmm. They, they are struggling. Let's talk about Graham. Graham uh... – it's a, it's a big job, Kenny Davidson, uh, and and the, the big job just got uh, you know big shoes to fill. Kenny Davidson, uh, the winningest coach in Graham history, uh, which is saying something because they haven't played football a long time in Graham at Graham America. Yeah, um, coach there, right? He retired. Um, led them. He led Graham. He led Graham to a semifinal five times. That's amazing big stuff. Yeah, he did a great job there, Graham. Uh, the success they've had, not a surprise. They kept it internally, promoting uh, defensive coordinator Clay McChristian uh, to the position. When you've had that, had that much success, no sense in, uh, in in trying to trying to overthink this thing. Um, another big job, kind of in the Central Texas area, uh, is is Salado. Salado is open. Tom Westerberg uh, has uh, announced his retirement. He had four state championships, most notably uh, the three peat there at Allen. Um, with Kyler Murray, uh, he went back down to Salado. He's he's a Salado guy, right? He's uh, from there. Yeah, uh, he's got a pl- yeah. yeah. He's, he graduated from there. Yeah, it's his home. I would imagine if you if you are if you are hearing my voice in Salado, Texas, you're probably just still going to see Tom Westerberg around town. Um, yeah, yeah, I imagine he'll still. I don't know if Salado has an HCB, but if they do, he'll be yeah. There. Um, but that is a uh, that's an interesting job down there. Uh, there at Salado. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what direction you know they were. They were slot T with Alan Hare for which, who's also a Salado alum, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you have Tom Westerberg. So they got two back back to back alums coaching there. Um, I've heard they got some good young classes coming, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if they go back to the slot T or if they keep the spread offense that Westerberg brought in and try to maybe get younger and 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 more uh, hip at that position, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak, just to get you know a little more energy in the program. They, they struggled a lot this year. Uh, another friend of Dave Campbell's Texas football has retired. John Settle, the head coach at Sunnyvale, has retired after 21 years uh, as a head coach, including the last 13 at Sunnyvale. Did a, did a, did a whale of a job uh, yeah. there at Sunnyvale. Basically built that program from scratch. Um, I'll be stunned if this is not an internal hire. Mm. I, I'd say I'm 99.9% sure they're going to promote from within on this job. Um, we're talking, this is probably not the, the first time on Tep and Step that we've talked about Liberty ILO coming open. <laughs> Uh, but Liberty Ilo uh, was open uh, at least for a moment there, as uh, Dawoski Davis uh, uh, stepped uh, stepped down after four seasons there, went twenty one and twenty two. Um, 
this is an interesting this is an interesting job. I still maintain this will be their third uh the, the, they've they've hired Brad Willard, the former Mount Vernon coach and who's coming over after being uh the off the corner at Tyler Legacy. Uh this is their third head coach in or rather their fourth head coach in six seasons or seven seasons or something yeah, like that. They kind of had some turmoil there. Dwoski Davis kind of steadied the ship a little Steady bit. The ship, yeah. You know, the problem with Liberty Ilo really is right now, Texas High and Pleasant Grove are just rolling. Mm-hmm. And Liberty Ilo just facility-wise can't compete with those two schools. Yeah. And so it's um, tough right now. Willard, Willard's been successful, though, and he's I know he brought – um, for, remember, remember uh, former Baylor wide receiver Davion Hall? I do. Uh, brought, he brought him home as an assistant coach, so hopefully that will having an alum like that will help. Uh, get them going there at Liberty Ilo. Uh, I, this is not. This is another example of or, of a job that's not the biggest job in the in the state. And so please don't uh, mistake this for some of the other ones that we mentioned. Uh, but I want to make a. I want to take a moment to uh, to recognize uh, Josh Colvert. Josh Colvert has been the head coach at Huntington uh, for the last five seasons and took them to the playoffs uh, twice in that span. And if that doesn't sound impressive. There's an argument to be made that Huntington is one of the toughest jobs in the state. And yes. and what he did there in five years. Uh, in, competitive in most years. Which, by the way, he's their longest tenured coach ever at five seasons. Um, he, might, he might be their winningest head coach ever. Uh, guys, this is a they are 55 and 362 all time. Yeah. He has two of their three playoff appearances. Josh Colvert is an example of you want to talk about like judging a good like, job and your record doesn't record indicate it. It's that's it. I, I, I hope I hope he gets another opportunity somewhere because I mean, that's a that, it's it's hard to walk in somewhere. I, I would need to add up his, his record or something like that. But I mean, to go like four and seven like they did in 2021 at Huntington is it's remarkable like a miracle yeah it is it's, it's, so it's so I want to make sure we mention um out in East Texas Jefferson uh was open uh Antoine Jemerson stepped down after six uh, after nine seasons uh had a couple really nice years they always they had a couple years there where they had some real talent on the cusp just yeah. Je- uh, Jefferson was always on the cusp just never could get over the hump I, I covered them in a third round playoff game against Malakoff one year and they lost a close one. They were just kind of always in the cusp there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nate, uh, Antoine Jam- uh, Jimerson is out after nine seasons. They have hired Pleasant Grove co-defense coordinator Ty Taylor as their uh, next head coach who comes highly recommended from Josh Gibson. Yeah. That Texarkana Pleasant Grove uh, coaching mm-hmm. staff has, uh, you know, done a great, done great things. And so we'll we think Taylor is he the first Gibson assistant to get a head coaching job though. That's crazy. Well, because if, Gibson's Gibson's brother is the offensive coordinator. Yeah. So he's not going to leave anywhere. So it's it's kind of one of those deals where they, they they've had a lot of continuity on that staff there at Pleasant Grove the past five, six years. Um, we want to uh, uh another retirement worth mentioning. Uh Callisburg is open. Eddie Gill has retired uh, after 42 seasons in the uh in the industry. Uh, went uh, 32 as a head coach, 161 and 182. But he will. Uh, do you think he buys lunches in Whitesboro, Texas anymore? He shouldn't. He shouldn't. You know, he's one of the last uh, Gordon Wood disciples still still kicking around coaching. He's a Brownwood guy. Uh, coached with Coach Wood. 
Um, he's one of the last, he's kind of the last of a dying breed there. He still wore, he wore a tie on the sidelines, mm-hmm. you know, he's old school guy, but yeah, he, what he did at Whitesboro is, is going to forever be remembered, taking them to their first ever playoff appearance. They've been playing football for a hundred years and never made the playoffs. And then 2011. So, yeah. I think he may have uh, taken them to a, re- to a third round playoff appearance one year. That he did is some great things. Crazy. Yeah. And anyway, Cody Fagan. And Cody Fagan, who's succeeded him, has, has taken Whitesboro to the next level. And, and mm-hmm. like, you would ask Coach Fagan. I think he would give Coach Gill a lot of credit for oh, yeah. establishing things there at Whitesboro. Yeah, laying the foundation. Anyway, we, we wish Coach Eddie Gill uh, uh, the best in retirement. I was actually East- at his last game. Oh, wow. Was that his last game? No, I was like, never mind. It was a year before. Oh, well, was- I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll cut that. I'm not cutting that. Um, East Bernard is open. Uh, Wade Bossy is stepping down after eight seasons, eight real good seasons, 77 and 23, led them to a pair of state semifinals. And I mean, the, the real, I mean, the question is offensive scheme at East Bernard. Yeah. Do that. You know, apparently there isn't, there is at least one strong internal candidate, but, uh, I've, I've been told they're bringing seven guys in. So they're bringing in some wow. outside guys to come talk. So it'll be interesting to see if East Bernard sticks with status quo. East Bernard had a, had a rough year. I think a year or two ago, but but they kind of got they got they got their 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 sea legs under in the last couple of years and done a good job. But it'll be interesting to see what direction the admin goes in. Uh, and then I do want to make sure we mention uh, uh, I know uh, Paul Pewitt uh, came open. Uh, uh, Cedric Dorsey resigned after three seasons. Uh, had a couple really nice seasons, leading them to the playoffs in their three years. Um, I swear. This might be the, the program that we've talked about coaching change more uh, than any other because this is going to be if you if you go back Ryan Gentry coached in 2017 Tristan Abron of course coached them 2018 2019 did an unbelievable job getting them to the state championship game in 2019 2020 Richard Strickland there for one year Cedric Dorsey there for three years since Reggie Cumro left it has been they haven't been able to hold on to a coach and revolving door. And that I'll, I'll just tell you, as somebody who covers this this type of stuff, programs start to get a little stench, you know, when you can't hold on to a coach. So yeah, uh, they I, have. I think, yeah, I think Hewitt's kind of got a little bit of that reputation going on after that. That it's just a tough place. Mm-hmm. It doesn't pay that great. You know, it's it's kind of out there. It's you know, it's not really in a great mm-hmm. geographic location near a whole lot. Um, and then you know, they're hard on their coaches. You know they expect mm-hmm. to win. They've got a lot of tradition there, and it's a tough place. Uh, offensive coordinator from Newton, Jeremy Russell, will be their next head coach. Uh, so good bloodline, or you know, good uh, uh, good pedigree there coming from yep. uh, coaching on on a really good staff there. Um, all right, let's talk about Wall uh, and the Houston guy situation. Houston guy is is out after he resigns after 17 seasons. Led into a title game back in 2013. One of the perennial powers in 3A uh, is Wall, uh, but Houston guy resigns is the way to put it after 17 seasons. But I know that there's some there's some drama. He was was forced out. I I don't think there's any question about that. I think he was he was forced out. I think it has a lot to do with I think people there for whatever reason they're like, hey, we don't want to run the flex boat anymore. We we, despite the fact they've had that much success, there's there's an element in the community that 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 does not want to run that offense, and they want to open it up a little bit more. And maybe it'll work out great. I don't know. Sometimes these things work out great, but they also can go really poorly. And it's like it just doesn't me, like, like I like winning, 
and Wall's been a very consistent winner, so it's it's really surprising that that they would make this move, in my opinion. But they they, yeah. they must be dead set on opening the offense up a little bit. Maybe and maybe it's because they've got they know that there's talent in the pipeline. I don't know, but it just seems like an know. odd move to me. It it really does, especially like. God wins know. like eleven games every year. Uh, exactly right. Like it's not like they're losing. They're losing the Canadian. Like, come on. Like, yeah. I mean, I I can't help but but think that that's the issue. The issue is that Canadians kind of had their number, because Canadians had everyone's number. Like, okay, it's, than, basically, aside from Gunner, Canadians had everyone's number. Uh, it just and and I I get it. Maybe you look across, you see Canadian throwing the ball all over and doing that, and you're running the flex bone. But like, it work. It works. I'm sorry. That's that's aggregatorial here. I think that's I think that's that's silly. Um elsewhere, let's see what else we got. Uh Wascom, want to mention mention this. Greg Pearson. <laughs> Greg Pearson's resume is gonna look strange. Uh <laughs> he's, just, he's a been been a, an assistant at some great places and just yeah. head coach just hasn't been able to uh get and he, done. Remember, he came out of retirement in 2022 to take over at Wascom. Uh, and then now he's heading back into retirement. Uh, I think they make a really nice hire. They're getting Wade Lawson from Joaquin. Uh, I think that's a really savvy hire from uh, from Wascom. And Wasson, uh, Lawson's going to run, you know, kind of a similar ground oriented offense, and, and the Wascom kids are used to that. And I think he's going to have a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more to work with talent wise at Wascom. And I think Wascom's dropping down to Class Two A. All things that will help. Um, a couple more in, in the two A ranks. Uh, Boskyville, Clint Zander uh, has uh, resigned after sixteen seasons there at Boskyville and did a fabulous job there, including a run to a regional final four, their regional semifinals. Boskyville will be a very interesting job with big shoes to fill. Um, and then, you know, we we were talking about uh, Paul Pewitt being hard on coaches. Uh, Bruceville Eddie's open again. Uh, yeah, that's a place. Nothing Brian Ramsey's out after one year. Uh, the next guy that they hire will be their fifth coach in seven years. Yeah, I think I think Bruce Filetti needs to start kind of looking within their administrative mm-hmm. uh, administrators and some of their, I would say, meddling in the athletic department. Probably need to take a step back and let let your athletic director be the athletic director and not meddle as much. And he might be able to keep a head coach longer than a year. Um. Holland's open after Brad Talbert has retired after uh, a, a really, really fabulous run there. 12 years at Holland. They went 12 and one this past year. Uh, he finishes 104 and 39 in his career uh, there. A, a regional final appearance back in 2019. Uh, Brad Talbert ends a really, really nice career there. Uh, yes. And then Holland, I'll say this about Holland. Super underrated job, a lot of growth. That's a that's kind of a sleeper. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of a hipster job. You're looking to kind of get in, get in on the ground floor or something big. Holland might be a good place for you. Uh, and then I'm gonna make sure I know what I want to end with. Um, yep, uh, Terry Ward uh, after after two seasons there at Tennessee is out uh, for the second time. They've promoted their principal Marlon Birdsong, which is a very two A thing to do. Two uh, A football right. There. <laughs> But I do want to mention this. This is the last thing we mentioned. Uh, the uh, I was lucky enough to be on the call on Valley Sports Southwest for the 2A Division One state championship game between Timpson and Toller. And who would have thought that for both of those teams in the 2A Division One state championship, 
they're going to be looking for coaches after uh, yeah. uh, after that. Uh, now, it's it's not necessarily a surprise. We'll start with Timpson, the state champion. I don't think it's a surprise. Kerry Thurwanger's retired. Um, you could, I, I think, think he you was going to retire either way. I think he had I openly th- kind of discussed retiring. I, I think he's he's he's. I mean, is it a nice way, Coach Coach uh, Thurwanger? Not a young man. Uh, not, not a young man. He's, he's eligible for his, uh, his pension. I could say that. Uh, and, uh, but you can definitely tell he was like, I'm going to see this Terry Bussey thing through the end. Smart move. Smart yeah. Move. Uh, got himself. Out okay. Uh, got himself out a okay. ring. Him. The, uh, the other interesting one would be on the other side with Toller, uh, Jeremy Mullins, who of course did fabulous, fabulous stuff there at Toller, really turning the Rattlers into a, into a, a small school power, uh, in call it, Greater, greater, greater DFW. Um, real extended DFW. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're stretching that rubber band real far if we're good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's... B- big country. Anyway, uh, but he is going to uh, take over at the new Eagle Mountain High School, a four A Division two team. That's correct. Yeah, uh, Eagle Mountain, and there's some ties there. Mullins, before he went to Toller, was the offensive coordinator at Boswell. And his head coach was John Abenshand, who is now the Eagle Mountain Saginaw ISD athletic director. So uh makes a lot of sense. Toller's losing a great senior class, and they're moving up to class 3A. Mm-hmm. I think Coach Mullen said, you know what? It's probably a pretty good time to sell high. This is my stop. I'm I'm uh, this is my stop. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Uh I think yeah. I think that that's that's exactly right. So anyway, uh, there are more coaching changes coming down the pike. Um oh, yeah. there'll be plenty more to talk about. A lot more. I bet we could do another one of these in about two weeks and it would be just as full. So uh, keep an eye on texasfootball.com. Wing is the largest residential drone delivery provider in the world. Delivering to your home in less than 30 minutes. Order using an app just like other popular delivery services and Wing's automated drone takes care of the rest. Fast, safe, and sustainable, and it's now delivering to parts of Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. You can learn more at wing.com slash texasfootball. Again, that's wing.com slash texasfootball. All right, Matthew, one of the reasons that there's going to be more coaching changes is because of what's happening on Thursday, specifically Thursday at 9 o'clock a.m., uh, it's, it's rare that we can, we can spot, we can, we can hammer down a time like this, but, uh, that is when everything's going to change. It's the biennial UIL realignment when the UIL, uh, reshuffles the districts, reshuffles the classes, uh, and, and rejiggers everything and sets the, sets the, the table for the next Makes two our years. Season shorted. Makes our, shortens our off season. Oh, so double. good. Buddy, I gotta Plus. tell you. I mean, we've we'll talk about that. fast. You know, go back and listen to our January 2023 episode of Tap and Step, and it's a different vibe. Um, <laughs> but realignment's yeah. a big help for us. Yeah, uh, we love it. Stuff- it, 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 it. It kills off two tapping steps real easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, pre and post. Uh, but this is uh, it's a huge deal. We will be live 845 a.m. on all of our channels uh, for our UIL realignment special uh, coming. It'll all come down at 9 a.m. That's when we're in. That's when the uh, the alignments will go live on the UIL website. We'll have them up on TexasFootball.com as quickly as we can as well. And we're going to start breaking them down, talking with coaches. I will tell you, I can since you're a, uh, an insider, we will have uh, an exclusive interview with Dr. Jamie Harrison, the UIL uh, deputy uh, executive. Deputy Director, uh, and he is um, Dr. Charles. Everyone's involved. It's all hands on deck. The UIL, but 
you realignment when you talk with dr harrison this is his bad he's the guy yeah yeah i've talked realignment with dr harrison and and you think i'm a realignment nerd buddy that dude he i will say dr harrison appreciates someone who knows realignment and we'll talk about it with him mm-hmm. he, he, he he lights up when you talk realignment He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's get into this and so it's it's one of his a good a good realignment nerd it's one of his favorite things and so look uh, it, one of the things that we like about uil realignment because we are nerds is that it is just a data dump it is a ton of information released all at once and it's going to take us a while to sift through everything oh, yeah. with with that said uh, I know that there's a few things that we are going to be having, we are going to have our eye on uh, sure. as the alignments drop and the first things we're going to be looking at. So here's what we're going to do. In the spirit of Teppen Step, we're going to do a draft. Heck yeah, let's go. <laughs> so what we're going to do is Step and I are going to go back and forth five rounds and we are going to talk about things that we are looking for things that we are paying attention to uh, big storylines that we are watching heading into realignment so that hopefully by the end of this draft you'll have 10 things that you can be looking for with realignment. there's a million things to look for and there are things i will also tell you as somebody who's covered realignment long enough and you know this as well there are things that we're not thinking about right now that are we're going to go whoa at 9:02 a.m. on uh, on a Thursday. Ball. There's there's always, always one or two curveballs. Um but biggest curveball go- I can remember in recent memories when San Angelo Central got oh. sent to the Metroplex. Remember that? Buddy, yes. Crazy. They were like, "What?" That the was hell? You know? that was a shocker. Um and so this can be a team, this can be a, a region this can be a district this can be a, a class however you want to break it down just we're going to go back and forth things that we are watching and the first things we're going to be looking for when a realignment drops uh i could tell you we did a coin flip before the show we didn't i'm just going to let step go first step you get pick one one in the realignment draft what are you looking for when they drop on thursday i, I think this is easy there's mm-hmm. a clear number one pick here and it's it's DeSoto. Mm-hmm. And what and where are the Eagles going to land, no pun intended, on Thursday? Mm-hmm. Now, we the, what we do know, DeSoto's enrollment has dropped precipitously to 5A Division One. I. I mean, they've lost like 800 kids in the past two years. It's, it's incredible. They are uh, comfortably – they comfortably they're, they're turned a in a 5A D1 – Number hundred under the number, like they are solidly in five A Division One. We're talking about the team, the undisputed best team in Texas high school football in twenty twenty three, potentially dropping down to five A Division One. And let me tell you, a Desoto Alito state semifinal in five A Division One, chef's Mm -hmm. kiss, right? Would love to see it. However, and UIL when they released their classification cutoff numbers and released their schools, they listed Desoto as a five A Division One program. However, I have heard lots of rumblings from people inside of DeSoto and outside of DeSoto that they expect DeSoto to be Class 6A, that they got a late opt-up from the UIL. UIL doesn't have to grant it. You, mm-hmm. you know, there's a deadline where you have to request an opt-up. You can request it after the deadline. There's no guarantee the UIL will grant it or not. I, I, if, I'll say this, and this is what I know, and I don't know much. All I know is if I was to go to Las Vegas 
and put money on DeSoto being 6A or 5A, mm-hmm. I'd put it on them being 6A. But I'm watching. Okay. That's, the, that's one of the first things I'm going to look at when they bracket, the bracket the packets come out Thursday morning is where's DeSoto? Are they 6A or are they 5A Division One? And, and it's, 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 it's simple. They're the big, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's there, there, crazy to say it's it's just that simple, and we haven't had that kind of like. Not since um, the UIL started releasing. This is kind of how the UIL realignment used to be. Before they were released the classification cutoff numbers, we were guessing until the day up. So we were wondering: mm-hmm. Are these teams going to drop? Are they going to go up? Well, we know DeSoto's got a five A number, but we don't know if they're going to be six A or five A Division One because there's this there's so much chatter about it that you're like, what's going on here? So and yeah. DeSoto DeSoto has been. Uh, uh, very coy about things, so we don't know for sure what they're going to do. We're we're all going to find out on Thursday. All right, I am. That's the. I think you're right. That is the headline. I'm going to go. the The other thing to to keep in mind whenever you're t- thinking about a realignment is I always look for islands. Okay, you're looking for teams that are away from everyone else as far as alignments are concerned. And what does it mean? And so that is why. I am paying very close attention to what happens to Abilene. Abilene in 5AD1 is like if if you were to map out all of the 5A Division One teams, um, they are alone out there. They're the only team essentially in the big country. Yeah, yes, they are. They are. The only team in the big country that is a five AD one team. Now, what is that? What does that mean? Now, that uh, uh, they can basically go two places. They can either go north, northwest, really, and go to Lubbock and Amarillo, or they can go east to essentially Alito. Uh, and and kind of the western yeah, West, kind of western metroplex, Alito, western Granberry. part of Fort Worth. Yeah, those yeah. those Brewer. teams. They can yeah, they can go one of those two ways. And what's interesting is that historically they've gone both sides. They've gone to DFW before, mm-hmm. and they've gone to the Panhandle before, essentially. So, which way do they go? Further complicating things is, and this is a small thing, and and, and now we're getting into the real wonky stuff. Matt Step, let's talk about the presumable District 15A Division 1. I'm pretty confident I can tell you who's in District 15A Division 1. Right? Now we can tell you that because yes. up until about a week and a half ago, we thought there were only going to be three El Paso schools in 5A Division 1, which was going to give the UIL an incredible challenge. Yes. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, in my mock, I had the three El Pasos with the three three Amarillos and the three Lubbocks. Talk about travel. It's crazy. Uh, but what else do you do? You can't have a three-team yeah. district in El Paso. El Paso Parkland essentially took one for the team, mm-hmm. <laughs> opting up to 5A Division One with a very solid 5A Division. They're a low 5A Division Two enrollment. Mm-hmm. Opted up to Division One to to bail out El Paso Bel Air, El Paso El Dorado, and El Paso Americas, and to give El Paso a fourth team in 5A Division One. So. I think the only question in 5A Division One and one District One is going to be: Are they going to play a round robin schedule? Because there's right. no way they're going to play seven but district games. Those are almost, almost certainly. The, it would be the shocker of all shockers if it wasn't a four-team District One. But here's the thing: is that when you have to have a four-team district, that means you now have 15 districts to put the rest of those teams in. 
which means you're going to have some big districts, which makes yes. me wonder, can the UIL, I mean, they can kind of do whatever they want. Can they afford to have Abilene go to Dallas where there's more teams or will they say, no, we're going to make a seven team district with the Amarillo and Lubbock teams? My money is them going West to, I, just I think that makes the wild. most sense. You, if you if you only have ten teams in District One and Two, that's a lot squeezed into mm-hmm. those other fourteen districts. It, yeah. It's just one team, but you're taking one team out and yeah. sending them west. So I think my money's on Abilene going west uh, with right. three three Lubbock's and three Amarillo's. All right, what is your second pick? Uh, let's go down to uh, Class Five A Division Two, where mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see what the UIL does with East Texas. Um, the last couple of realignments, you've had a pretty, pretty solid group there in East Texas of seven teams, Texas High, Mount Pleasant, White House, um, Marshall, Longview Pine Tree, Hallsville, Nacogdoches, Mm -hmm. pretty solid crew there. It's still going to be a solid 17 crew next realignment because you're just swapping out Pine Trees dropping down to 4A, Jacksonville's coming back up. So you've got still seven teams. However, there are a lot more teams on the eastern fringes of the Metroplex that could potentially swing out east. And maybe the UIL does a north-south type of alignment instead of the east-west alignment that you've had. So could we see teams like Corsicana, Kaufman, Crandall, Terrell, Greenville, any of those five teams get shifted out east into a, a different type of alignment even Ennis, mm-hmm. we've seen Ennis mm-hmm. shift out to East Texas before. So could we see the UIL shake things up and shift shift the dynamics out in East Texas in 5A Division II? I'm keeping an eye on that. I know talking to, to Coach Rogers there at Corsicana, they're kind of hoping to go east in realignment and have more of an eastern uh, eastern type mm-hmm. of alignment. I don't think they want to go all the way out to Texarkana or East Texas, but I think you know if they're with Ennis, Kaufman, Crandall, Terrell, even the Tyler, you know, White House, Jacksonville, they'd be perfectly fine with that. I'm going to I'm going to stay in 5A and I'm also going to stay in East Texas. So we're kind of deep East Texas here. Let's talk about Lufkin. Lufkin and really if you want to lump like Tyler into that too. Um 5A D1 in East Texas is very odd. Because you do have these two teams in Lufkin and Tyler, but they're kind of alone out there. And so what? there's always a question. I'll focus on Lufkin because Lufkin, we've seen them go south to, 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 to southeast Texas, essentially, and be in districts like uh, like Port Arthur Memorial before. Yeah, they've been with uh, College Station before. Mm-hmm. They've kind of been in North Houston, like in in the Humble area too. So mm-hmm. Lufkin's a real floater. They're a floater, and so where does Lufkin land? And because they're probably there's there are some scenarios where Tyler comes with them. Because one of the things that makes this complicated is that Longview, if you didn't know, Longview's moving up to six A. So there are now fewer 5AD1 teams out there in East Texas, which you could either say gives the UIL more flexibility or less flexibility uh, with what you want to do with, with those particular teams. Those are two teams that are really on islands out there. And I'm interested to see 
where they go. Do they kind of lump them back in? Um, you know, do they lump them back in with the Brazos Valley teams, kind of the Central Texas teams? Do they send them to the Metroplex? We've seen them in the Metroplex district before. Do they send them to Southeast Texas? Where does Lufkin go? They are a real floater in one of those kind of weirdo uh, kind of weirdo districts, so or w- w- kind of those weirdo teams that's kind of out on an island. So, uh, I will have my eye on where the Panthers of Lufkin go. Uh, what's your third pick? I'm gonna go down to Class Three A Division One, specifically in Region One, because the team that has terrorized Three A Division One Region One <laughs> over the past seven yeah. or eight years is no longer there in Brock. Uh, Brock is gone to class 4A division 2. And now I'm interested to see how three the, the landscape in 3A division 1 region 1. You know, how does the UIL break this up? Do they send Iowa Park back to the Panhandle to challenge Bushland? Does do they send Iowa Park and those guys in the Wichita cuz Wichita Falls in region 1 is kind of there's Iowa Park and there's Vernon and that's in Bowie and it's kind of about it in that area. So what do they do with those three schools cuz there's not enough to do their own districts so they, they send them south to Abilene, they send them east into the Metroplex, or they send them north into the Panhandle. So looking to see what happens there, and then looking to see kind of where Jim Ned, who I think emerges as the other contender along with Bushland in this region, where does Jim Ned end up? They're probably tied at the hip with Sweetwater. Sweetwater is going to be a power in 3A Division One Region 1, but I think it's going to be 2025 when we really see the Mustangs emerge. Um. Yeah, I, yeah, I think Iowa Park. I think you're right. Iowa Park and Jim Ned are probably the two teams you really want to keep an eye on, and what what's what's probably. I mean, there's probably not a way they're not in Region One. That would be pretty shocking. Um, be, yeah. yeah. So yeah, just based on things. But yeah, that would be. Those are two teams to 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 certainly keep an eye on. I'm actually going to say you mentioned Wichita Falls, and that's that's actually where I'm going to go next, because we've talked about this for a while. But the 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 sands are shifting in Wichita Falls ISD. If you didn't know, Wichita Falls ISD is closing. Um, is is closing or close? I guess no, not yet. Uh, not it yet. close their uh their uh their their three schools with Hershey, uh, with uh, Wichita Old High, and with uh, Ryder, and they are combining them into two districts or two teams. Uh, which is uh, 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 Wichita Falls Legacy and Wichita Falls Memorial, which um, the names stink. Super creative names, yes. The names stink. I'm sorry. They stink. Uh, Grant Freeman, come at me. I'm sorry. I'm right. You're wrong. Anyway, they're now going to have two uh, 5A Division I teams. Is that right? D2, D2, they'll be D2. 5A, D2 teams. 5A, D2 teams. Mm-hmm. And so they are also kind of in an, an in-between spot because you've got teams, obviously you've got a bunch of teams in, in the Metroplex, and then you've also got some teams in, out west, right, with Abilene Cooper, Abilene Wiley, Amarillo Palo Duro, Plainview, um, uh, Lovett Cooper's in that mix as well. Wichita Falls it's probably six of one half dozen of the other as far as which, like, do they go, you know, do they go north to or west rather, or do they go east? Cause they're kind of right in between those two areas. Which way does UIL send them? Um, I will say kind of counterintuitive to what we were talking about or counter to what we were talking about with the 14 district and five AD one in El Paso. There's a huge district 
in 5 AD 2, they're probably not giving El Paso two districts, right? How many teams are those? One, we're going to have 5 AD or 5 AD 2? I, th- I think there's going to be just one district in 5A Division two because with Parkland dropping, you're, it's been, yeah. I think you're going to see a nine-team district in, in, in El Paso. So the thing is, that would give, because you've got a nine-team district in District 1, that would give the UIL some flexibility that if they wanted to create a five-team West Texas district and send Wichita Falls to DFW, I th- the Wichita Falls team could. They'd be within their rights to do that, and it wouldn't be all that all that different. So, uh, I will be keeping an eye on what happens to the two new the, the inaugural alignment of Wichita Falls Legacy and Wichita Falls Memorial. What is your fourth pick? I'm gonna go to Austin in Class Four A Division One, where we've seen some changes. Austin ISD has decided for the first time to not opt up their schools. And if you're an Austin LBJ fan, you're you're loving this because now you get to play in Class 4A where your enrollment places you. And guess what? They're going to be joined by some other Austin ISD schools. Um, what I'm interested to see is we know those Austin ISD schools in Class 4A Division One will be together. So we're talking about Northeast, Travis, LBJ, and Eastside. I think the big question is who gets paired with those schools? My guess right now is the two char- is the charter school Austin Achieve and Maynard New Tech, making a 16 district there in probably Region 4 and Class 4A Division 1. But there's a scenario where Taylor, Marble Falls, Burnett, all could get placed with Austin ISD. So I'm looking to see who gets placed with Austin ISD in Class 4A Division 1, most likely Region 4. But whatever the case may be, Austin LBJ being added to Class 4A Division 1 does uh, make a uh, make things a little more interesting because there's been some depletion at the top of that class with teams like Anna, the, the state champions, mm-hmm. moving to 5A. Bernie, the 2022 state runner-up, moving to 5A. Uh, Alice, moving to 5A. Waco La Vega, moving to 4A Division Two, And China Spring, the 2022 state champion, moving back to 4A Division Two. So what you've happened is you got a power vacuum now mm-hmm. in 4A Division One in, in a lot of ways. I totally agree with you. And actually, that's going to lead me into... Um... I'm going to write that down. Um, That's going to lead me into my question, which is um, what happens to the remnants of one of the last districts of doom district five, four, a division one, five, four, a division one, Stephenville uh, and uh, China spring and La Vega. uh, All of those teams are now breaking apart and like, there's that district has to be reconstituted in a variety of ways. So the question now becomes, what does um, what does what does the, the UIL do with all of those teams? So that I can pull this up. Um, the I should not guess Stephenville. I can tell you what those um, what that district is. So it's it's uh, Stephenville, China Spring, La Vega, Alvarado. And and then Waxahachie life. So uh, the only teams that are left there in 4A Division One are Alvarado, Stephenville, and let's see, and Waxahachie life. The rest of those teams are leaving with China Spring and, and, and La Vega. So what happens with Stephenville? They were always kind of a relative geographic outlier in that district. Uh, what happens there? Do they get sent out? 
presumably out west. Do they get lumped in back with another DFW district? Something like that. What region do they land in is a question. Um, as well as what happens to China Spring and La Vega. Presumably, presumably, they'll be lumped together with the same district. I think you kind of look at the teams in there. It's hard to imagine that 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 you know they're they're going to split apart. I think what apart. you're going to see is is you're going to you're going to get a, a a Waco area district in four A division two. It's going to be loaded. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, Lorena is moving mm-hmm. up to four A division two. So you're going to have China Spring, La Vega, and Lorena all, all together in the same district. And then you're going to and... have probably Connolly. Mm-hmm. And here's Waco, so... Connolly, La Vega. That's a tough district potentially. And here's the question, and it's one of the things that we talk about all the time. What region are they in? Because you you talk with you talk with folks like you look at you talk with folks around the UIL, and you look at the um, the map. So realistically, the way the UIL likes to go is think about the UIL, think about the state of Texas as a clock. And you start at nine o'clock and you go all the way around over to nine o'clock and it should go region one, region two, region three, region four. Well, here's the question. What happens if you're in the middle of the dial? Like that's how you get Mart flipping sides of the bracket. That's how you get all these teams in central Texas moving all over. Now you've got a bunch of powerhouses in central Texas. That could be, I mean, we've seen La Vega in region four before, right? Well, I yeah, know. Yeah, they, 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 yeah. When they, uh, they had some battles with Liberty Hill mm-hmm. in Region Four yeah. back in the day, and so yeah, it's quite so, possible La Vega. So that Waco district is going to be the real floater in Four A Division mm-hmm. Two. That, that's where your power. Uh, for Four A Division Two, the last couple of years, the power has been in East Texas, Carthage, Gilmer, Pleasant mm-hmm. Grove. Still mm-hmm. very powerful, but now you have a second power nexus in Four A Division Two in Waco, with China Spring, two-time state champion, twenty-one, twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Lorena, a state champion in 2021, uh, and La Vega, a perennial power, and Waco Connolly, one of the most talented teams in the state yeah. year in and year out. So where does the UIL put that new power region is going to be a huge thing in 4A Division II. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up to see it because it's, 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 it's my district of doom. Yeah. Potentially, it's, if it's... it happens. It'll be really, really interesting. All right. What is your fifth and final pick, Matthew? Choose wisely. Uh, I, I'm really looking in 2A Division Two at Shiner. Mm-hmm. Because Shiner dropped to Division Two by less than one student. That's right. Shiner turned in an enrollment of 181, and the 2A Division One Division Two cutoff is 181.4. <laughs> How do you get less than one one student? Well, there's some different calculations as far mm-hmm. as uh, new schools. I'm fairly certain, and that this is a I'm not sure, I believe this is the case. Um, like your special needs students who are above the age of 18 are still allowed to go to the school, but they don't count fully against you anymore because they're over the age of 18. I think there's some calculations there. With things yeah. Like it's, I've always, I've always understood it as like non full time students. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's some different calculations in addition to new schools. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't have all, all four grades, you have a, a multiplier. Um, or if you're uh, like a uh, H E B I S D, for example, they, their ninth graders go to junior high 
and they're kind of split in certain, so you have to do a calculation. So there's some some formulas there. It's really into the weeds realignment wise. But what I'm saying is Shiner just barely ducked, shockingly in my opinion, into two A Division two, completely changing the dynamics in two A Division two. Because let me tell you, Shiner was a little bit down this year. If there was going to be a year to get him, this was the year to get him. Shiner's going to be back, and they're going to change the complete dynamics of two A Division two. Fairly certain they'll be in Region four. I want to see what exact district they land in. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. All right. All right. I'm going to go back to 5A D1. And I want to talk specifically about Region 2. And this is kind of like a holistic way to end it. Because I want you to think back, and you'll have to, to think back a couple of alignments ago. 5AD1 Region 2 has been relatively transformative because of the way, like, it's it's easy to see the way that it'll usually shake out as far as you're going to have an El Paso district, you'll have, you know, uh, some West Texas teams, um, you know, like Alito was in this most recent alignment, they're going to be 5AD1 again. Uh, you know what Region 1 is going to look like. Region Four, you know what they're going to look like too. I'll, I'll skip to that. Region four, you know what they're going to look like too. The valley, it's going to look like. Uh, which, which, by the way, let's see what happens with uh, like as far as because um, there's two Corpus Christi teams in five A Division two. Is that right? Five A D one. Corpus Christi did, yeah. did not opt up this time, so Veterans mm-hmm. Memorial and Flower Bluff are the only five A Division ones in Corpus. Right, so they're going to have to go somewhere. Where do they go? But if you remember this past realignment. Um, it's a five A division two division one region two is always going to be DFW heavy, usually involving like the Frisco schools and things like that. Um, it'll have some East Texas more than likely it has in the past uh, alignments. Longview is in it this pa- this most recent one. They've they've been in it the last couple of, of alignments, but it's essentially like I'll just narrow it down. It's district eight, like that can be in the past. It has been. Um, the Brazos Valley. If you go back two alignments ago, that's where College Station was. They added that it was College Station, New Caney, uh, Lufkin was a five A D one team at that point. Uh, they were they were there. Is it there? This past alignment, it was Southeast Texas with Laporte, Fort Arthur Memorial, Crosby, essentially a Houston area district. Mm-hmm. Region two is the tweener is the tweener region. And they can go a variety of different ways. And it essentially comes down to District 8. Like, what does, where does the UIL, how do they number that with District 8? Who, where do they end up putting, uh, who ends up being essentially what is in District 8? Because that's going to be, you know, in the past, like, you look at what region uh, District 7 was this past time. You were having, you had a bi-district matchup between Laporte and Lancaster. And Lancaster, yeah. Lancaster had to go all the way to Laporte. Right. So... In my mockery alignment right now, mm-hmm. and I'm throwing darts, I have the central tech, the East Texas district in the, the Southeast Texas district, basically that North Houston kind of. Now I have Lufkin going back down there. So I have Lufkin and then like Humble Kingwood Park and Port like Arthur. Port Memorial, yeah. The two Beaumonts, because two mm-hmm. Beaumont, Westbrook and Beaumont United are dropping us. So kind of that crew I have in region two. Mm-hmm. I could see a scenario where a central Texas district is in district eight. So we're talking. Teams like Lake mm-hmm. Belton, Colleen Chaparral, mm-hmm. College Station, AM Consolidated, 
people like that could easily slide. I, I could. It's very plausible mm-hmm. that could happen as well. So yeah, which would be like a new thing. Yeah, District Eight is one of those first districts I'm going to look at and realign it because that's mm-hmm. that's a swing. That's a swing district. Yeah. Where, where does the UIL kind of draw those regional yeah. lines? Yeah, eight five AD one just has like a lot of intrigue, and it's like one of the again you talk about like the nerd part of this is like there's a lot of intrigue in just how they number the district because there's ways that they can do that, um, and then of course there's just going to be there like I like we said off the top, there's going to be two or three things that come out on thursday that like we we never even thought of like and because the other thing is that like it's go back to the thing we started with which is DeSoto. they are under no obligation to tell us in the leering press what they're going to do they can sandbag us all the way to the end uh they don't have to tell us they do have to tell the uil what they want but like they they don't have to as a result we don't know what schools have requested like because you can go to the UIL and you can ask them and and and, and Dr Dr Harrison and Dr Bright have been clear about this about just saying like yeah if you got like we'll hear you like it's not determinative we can't promise you but like if you would prefer this we'll take that into account and we'll con- well if that fits into our bro- broader model then yeah we'll 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 see what we can do for you and we don't know what schools have said what which is why that's usually why you end up with like a a realignment day surprise yeah for example i would say uh last time i think brownwood for example i think that's why they ended mm-hmm. up going to big spring and yeah. i think brownwood went to the ui and said look we know you guys got a little bit of a problem in 4a division 1 in west texas my travel we're good going out west. Mm-hmm. You know what? That solves the problem for us. We'd rather not have a four-team district, so we're going to put you with San Angelo, Lakeview, Andrews, Big Spring, and Lubbock Estacado and make it a five-team district. There you go. That's, a, mm-hmm. that's an example of, of somebody going to the UIL and say, hey, just a heads up. We're, we don't mind traveling a little bit. If that'll yeah, out. exactly right. Yeah, it, it, th- those things that that I know that there's – one of the things that I've, I've learned in doing this for a couple of years is that there's a lot more communication between the UIL and – like schools and school districts than you think like as far as just saying hey what would you you know uil call and say what would you feel uh, think about this like what would you would would you would this just cause a riot stuff like that so uh it will be interesting and it'll have a lot of stuff for us to talk about which makes it fun which is great for us in the offseason yeah we can do so uh and yeah that's gonna do it for us so we will be live on your air thursday February 1st, live from Birdville, God willing, and the creek don't rise. Um, as uh, for UIL realignment, we'll probably go live about 8.45. Uh, the fun will start at 9, and then we will uh, we'll let it rip. So uh, I'm excited. It'll be fun. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football subscriber. Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. Talk to you next time on Tough and Stuff.